0: the sports staff of the Holland Sentinel, this is From the Press Box. With your hosts, Brian Vernelis, Dan Diadonna, and Chris Zatarazny.
1: Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel sports staff's weekly podcast. I'm sports editor Dan Diadonna, along with my lovely assistant. I don't know about lovely, but Chris Zatarazny. He'll take it. Uh, it's better than... Not lovely, I suppose. I guess, I yeah. guess not that. <laughs> <laughs> So we're here to talk anything and everything sports. Um, we've got some basketball stuff to talk about, uh, some high school basketball, and uh, a lot of Hope basketball stuff to break down. Um, but first, we're going to get to what everybody has been talking about, and by everybody, I mean me, um, the Baseball Hall of Fame vote. We have a lot of interesting uh, debates going on about things that have happened and things that are about to happen and enough that it's like actually national media is talking about it a lot more than they usually do. Usually it's a, hey, who do you think's going to make it in? Okay, yeah, well, and then, oh, yeah, Maguire and Bonds, you know, Clemens still not close. Yeah, okay, that's the end. So there's a lot of different things to talk about. Um, first, we got some kind of local ties that made it into the Hall of Fame uh, via the ERAS committee. So for those of you who don't know, the... Baseball writers vote on eligible players for the Hall of Fame, players who have played up to 10 years, end up on the writer's ballot. If they make 5% or more of the writer's vote, they stay up for up to 10 years, and then they get considered for to be a finalist on the uh, Eras Committee. There's different eras. There's the Today's Game era, the Modern Game era, the Golden era, and the Pioneer, I think it's called, era or Old Pioneer. Early baseball era, maybe. Um, There's four eras. So um, we just had the Today's Game era vote uh, just about a week ago. And former Cubs closer Lee Smith made it. Uh, There's 16 members on the committee. He got all 16 votes uh, unanimous. And then Harold Baines, White Sox slugger, who has a statue uh, at what used to be known as U.S. Cellular Field, uh, made it. He got the exact nine or of 16 or 12 of 16 that you need to get in um, and it's created a lot of controversy uh, this 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 vote because most baseball people actually thought there was gonna be a lot of controversy by Lee Smith going in he's a closer he's not the best closer ever um, you know there's been a lot of a few closers gotten in the last few years he was really good for a long time but there might not he might not have been great. For a long period of time. But he was really good for a long time. Held the all-time saves record with 478 until Hoffman and Mariano Rivera uh, kind of blew, blew that one out of the water. But that's a long time to hold the record, to hold any record. Um, now, saves is you know possibly one of the use, most useless stats in baseball because there's so many factors that go into... I mean, if you get three outs and you get a save, does the save really show how good you are? Right. You know, um, You could get a save after uh giving up a bunch of runs you know too so there's there's a lot of things there so but that debate just got thrown away because we had harold baines make it uh yes a longtime designated hitter he was an outfielder for about 10 years then a designated hitter for maybe 12 years pretty good defender uh n- not a great defender uh, great hitter for a long period of time uh r- uh just longevity he was you know he had almost 3000 hits he had almost 400 home runs he had 1600 RBIs which is still everybody eligible that has 1600 RBIs now is now in the Hall of Fame because he was voted in but he played 22 years to get him was never elite he was really good for a really long time um but you know the case for is that maybe the two he he and uh he and Lou Whitaker and Lance Parrish are like the only three non-Hall of Famers that could have had their cases affected by two different work stoppages because they were around in 81 when there was the uh, the strike where they had to split the season in half. And they were also playing in 94 when we lost the rest of the season and into 95. Those three players are the only players that were in – that are not – some of them are in the Hall of Fame now, but that that had a borderline case – affected by two work stoppages that's a lot of games to miss and if you're trying to tally up stats yeah there's more that could have been there and you know if that wasn't there maybe all three of them would have been easy hall of famers i have no idea um but anyway it created quite a stir because even though he was one of my favorites and one of the most beautiful swings i've ever seen like maybe ken griffey juniors is better maybe that's it out of anybody i've ever seen live pretty darn good comparison so But I still think there's about 20 to 25 players better than him that didn't make it. Now, they weren't on this ballot because it split up into eras. So that comes into play a little bit. The other players on the ballot were like Oral Hersheiser, Will Clark, Albert Bell, Joe Carter, guys like that. Um, we should mention manager Lou Penella missed by one vote. So that's my take on that. I just, if he got in in a while after, you know, maybe 10 or 12 of these guys ahead of him did make it, it wouldn't seem as crazy. But it has everybody up in arms about, oh, well, gee. Um, there was also quite a few White Sox personnel and Orioles personnel on the 16-member committee. And that's where Baines played his entire career, basically, on both of those two teams. So there's a lot of talk of, you know, they're used to, in the Hall of Fame there used to be uh, a problem cronyism where you know one loud guy in the committee just kind of talked everybody into getting his teammates in the hall of fame and it happened like over the span of a decade i think one guy vocal guy got about very seven or eight of his board very borderline like we were talking by far the bottom level of the hall of right. fame teammates in um that was a long time ago but it had a little bit of flashes of that because you know tony LaRusso was his manager Jerry Reisendorf was his owner. They were on there. His team, he had some teammates on there. You know, um, again, not saying that he doesn't belong, but maybe he shouldn't have been first out of this. Had some help, maybe group, yeah. Too. And he had some help. So they will be joined by whoever makes it on the actual writers' ballot, which gets announced um, in about uh, you know a week and a half or so. Uh, it could be really interesting here. Uh, we could have two DHs and two closers make it, which is insane because Mariano Rivera's on the ballot for the first time, uh, the Yankees closer, greatest one-inning closer of all time. Um, and then Edgar Martinez is on the ballot for his final time, Seattle DH, uh, who was a much better hitter than Harold Baines, uh, didn't quite play as long. Uh, but that could happen. And they're the two leading candidates right now. Uh, Roy Halladay, uh, Cy Young pitcher who just died in that plane crash, Uh, is on for the first time also, Um, and he will be close to making it, I would guess, if he doesn't make it on this try. Um, And then you got pitchers Mike Mussina and Kurt Schilling, who have been pretty close the last few years. I feel like Schilling would have made it a long time ago if he kept his mouth shut uh, because he keeps getting into political debates and issues with people and angering a lot of people. Um, And I'm not saying it's because he's on the far right I'm saying it's because he needs to shut his mouth. He's uh he's making it worse for himself. Yeah, honestly. it's not I have no it's not be it's not like people are saying, "Well, he's a super Republican, so we're not voting for him because that's ridiculous." But he is uh he's stirring the pot. Yeah, he's and doing. he's and he's I mean his comments, he I mean he's he's acting like a jerk. And yes. that is uh that's not cool. Uh now do I still think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, you bet. Um there's Certainly. plenty of there's Certainly. plenty of jerks in the Hall of Fame, uh, but that's hurting his case right now. But what I really want to get to, and Chris, I know you're not quite as much of the baseball expert as me, um, if you are, uh, but that's my that's my jam. You well, know. it's very but, true. It's very true. And but look, I mean, we got a interesting predicament here where those guys are right now. There's seven. We have a Hall of Fame voter tracker now, so you can kind of tell. A little bit, you won't know for sure, you know, until the end. But 17% of the writers' votes are in. Mariano Rivera has every single person's vote, not surprising. Edgar Martinez and Roy Halliday have 91% of the vote so far. Mucina has 83. Schilling has 77, and you need 75% to get in. So if this was the only voting panel, those all five of those guys would get in. Um, I don't think that's quite going to happen, but I think maybe three of them get in. But right below, right now, Roger Clemens 71%, Barry Bonds 70%. And, and then, I mean, you got another big issue to come into the Hall of Fame thing with the, um, you know, possible performance enhancing drug issue um, that we have going on here. I mean, Barry Bonds test, uh, you know, tested positive. For something that he or admitted, not tested positive, excuse me, that is false. He un, he admitted in court that he unwillingly used a, a cream that he thought was flaxseed oil, but it was a steroid cream. And Roger Clemens has also never tested positive, although he's had to testify in court about it. Um, it's just really, but this, the cloud is there over them. Yes. And yes. which is really sad still because they are the, I'm not saying they did or they didn't. I, I mean, you know that. Put putting that aside, the, that's the best hitter and the best pitcher of the last seventy five years, easily. Easily, yeah. I mean, yep. that's ridiculous, you know, and that's really sad. I mean, that's where we've come to right now, and I think that's really, really sad because, um, you know, a Hall of Fame without. I mean, it's it's sad enough that Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame, you know, um, and we all know why. But when when things come into play that keep those kind of players out it's just sad and just sad for baseball but what do you do chris what would you do i mean you got um if you got to vote the writers can vote for up to 10 what do you, i mean does it outweigh i mean the fact that they're they're getting a lot more support now the writer, the a lot of the writers that are writing now and maybe are a little more progressive didn't necessarily cover them during the steroid era, and they're all voting for them. Yeah, Um, And they're getting closer and closer. Now, meanwhile, McGuire didn't get close. He dropped off the ballot, didn't even make the finalist of this committee that Baines made it in. Um, Sosa's not getting any support. Manny Ramirez kind of is, which is weird, because he's actually tested positive twice, Um, and that's after Major League Baseball started cracking down. Um, He's got 25% of that. Hmm. vote of the 17 writers which to me is ridiculous i mean that's that's breaking the rules once it was baseball rules now of course steroids have always been illegal in the united states so whether or not it was illegal in baseball to me is almost irrelevant because you're breaking the law right anyway um people are you know a lot of people are like well it wasn't illegal in baseball at the time what was illegal in the united states you know like so anyway it's just very interesting. We had the same thing in the 80s. We had um, a cocaine scandal in baseball. Tim Raines was a part of that, and he didn't get in until his very last chance. Dave Parker was a part of that and looked to be a Hall of Famer. He hasn't gotten the votes yet. Same with Keith Hernandez, and he was even on Seinfeld uh, and Didn't get the vote. So it's just interesting how this is playing out. I believe those guys will get in via the committees. But Chris, what's your what's your take on this? I mean, Clemens and Bonds were clearly, even before... There were suspicions that I'm using clearly
0: the best. Absolutely. They were really good. And I remember as a kid watching them and just being in awe of their abilities uh, and how how big they were as, as men playing this game. It was really, as a kid, exciting to watch because you just thought these guys were just mon- monsters, monuments to the game. And, and now it's coming out that there could have been some PED issues. I don't know if we'll ever officially know that. but um,
1: well, we know Bonds took something.
0: Right. We know that. But we only know he in, took something once, right? And in, he says unknowingly. In the in the as a whole, I don't think we'll ever know for sure. For sure. For in specific cases, we we may know. Um, but it's, it, as a whole, it's kind of got a cloud over it, like you said. And it's really interesting. It's just how do you handle that? Because you, it, once you elect one, you you got to kind of elect the rest of them too, because. Especially At least a, in my mind,
1: especially the two of them together. Now, there's there's like two writers that voted for Clemens that didn't vote for Bonds. I don't understand that one. That's bit. really weird. I
0: really don't understand that one bit. They're both on the same level, right there. Too.
1: Right. So it's just it's just very interesting predicament. But and if if people are saying, well, they never tested positive, who are these people voting for Manny Ramirez who tested positive twice, and the people that did not vote for McGuire? McGuire never got this much. Was never close on the writer. Ten years on the writers' ballot, he was never close. And Sosa's still in the right of ballot. He's got 11.3 right now, and same with Sheffield, 11.3. Um, and they're all in it the same way. I mean, did people think that? Do people think that Bonds and Clemens didn't need steroids to get to their numbers, and that's why they're voting? But they think that Sosa and Sheffield only got their numbers because of it. It's a weird predicament because Sheffield and Sosa each have 500 home runs. Sosa has 600. Those are Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. So are. if you're voting for Clemens and Bonds, why are you not voting for them? Sosa never tested positive. Right. McGuire has admitted it, and Sheffield has admitted to something similar that Bonds did. Um, so why? Uh, so who? So if they're not positive, if they haven't tested and they haven't admitted it. Well, who's not? If you're voting for those guys, why aren't you voting for Sosa? I don't right. really exactly. understand. Exactly. Exactly. So. It's, a, it's an issue that just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and that's somebody who has studied the Hall of Fame ballot their entire life, pretty much. Um, so, I, I mean, so I'm going to ask you just straight up would you vote for them, Bonds and Clements, at this moment? I'm, now,
0: every year, my answer sometimes changes. Yes. But it, right now? Right now, uh, probably not. Okay. Probably not. I just, I, I would like to know all the facts before I vote. Mm-hmm. If I was a voter uh, and not knowing all the facts and having that kind of cloud, if they were 100 up front with what happened, and if they whether they knew or not, if if you tell me, hey, I took something, but I don't know what it was. At least that's a better answer than I don't know, I didn't do anything kind of thing, you know, right? Denial. Um, the you fact know, that they're that that both sense. in court have been in court about it. Right doesn't look great. No, either. it doesn't. And and that's I don't know if that's their fault specifically because they're they're trying to right. maybe help where they were subpoenaed for. It, I don't remember. Right, but. For me, it's a no right now. Right, but my mind would change if we found out more information, and if in fact, to me, uh, this is a bit of a sidebar. But if, if they get in, then Pete Rose has got to be in, vice versa. They they're they're going to admit if if, they, if this happens, and then they admit that they cheated, and Pete Rose also cheated. But they both got to be in because he can't keep one and not right. the other. In my well, mind. Pete Rose didn't actually cheat because he voted. He he, he, he bet on his team right. to win. Yes, so he
1: broke the rules. Right, um, but right. I, I don't. Okay. I agree with you, but I don't think the establishment will see that as a black and white. I don't think issue. so either. issue. Um, that's how I see it. But, right. I also think Shoeless Joe Jackson being because he really only took the money but didn't do anything to throw the series in 1919, and he was banned for life, not forever, and he's dead. So yeah. to me, that's paying the price. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Which is a whole other issue. Right. But but here's my take. Here's my take. I'd love to hear it. So. One thing we also don't know is there are rumors that ba- Jeff Bagwell, even Pudge Rodriguez, and some of the Hall of Famers now that have been recently voted in have used. That also would change a lot of people's minds. If oh, they yeah. if people found out – if Jeff Bagwell – I'm not saying that either of these guys did. I'm just saying their name has come up. Uh, if If Jeff Bagwell all of a sudden came out and said, you know what I used, I think that these guys would immediately be voted in because they're not kicking him out. You know what I mean? They probably would. They've never kicked anyone out. I mean, I, there's no precedent for that. They were voted in legally, so I don't see that won't, wouldn't happen. So that would change things a bit too. But here's my take. I've gone back and forth on them. I agree that those two were the best players I've ever seen, uh, with all fairness to Greg Maddox and Ken Griffey Jr. Um, but, but you can vote for up to 10 guys. I would never – I've said this a few years. This is the rationalization I've come to. If I had a vote, I would not vote for them unless there were open spots after all the clean candidates I would vote for are there. Agreed. And the last few years, there's been a ton of great candidates because the steroid issue is clogging up the ballot. There was a year, a few years ago, where nobody made it, and I would have voted for 20 of them. And you can only vote for 10. So, yep. anyway, I know that we're, we're rambling on and on. That I could talk about this all day. But here's, here's basically what my take is. I would vote, if I had ten, my ten votes, I'd vote for Mariano Rivera, Edgar Martinez, Halliday, Mussina, and Schilling. There's five. Larry Walker, six. Fred McGriff, seven on his last try. He'll probably be the Lee Smith in the next go and make that group. Uh, and then I would have to figure it out. We've got Omar Vizquel. Manny Ramirez, I would not vote for. Todd Helton on his first try, maybe. Scott Rowland, very underrated. Andy Pettit, admitted to using HGH, uh, but was pretty good. Sosa, Sheffield, Billy Wagner, another great closer. Probably better than Lee Smith in a lot of numbers. His ERA was better, and his strikeouts per nine ratio was a lot better. You got Jeff Kent, and then Andrew Jones, uh, Lance Berkman, Miguel Tejada, Roy Oswalt, and Michael Young are the kind of the players left on there. So... I would I would say my last vote would go five let's see six Larry Walker, seven McGriff. I would say I would probably go eight Helton just because it's his first try and I wouldn't know how he was doing. Uh, I want to get him. There's the Coors Field debate. You know, I'd rather right, right. G- keep him on there and then, uh, and then I think Roland or Andrew Jones would be at the end of my ballot there. So um, and it'll change next year because. At least three of those guys will probably make it, and McGriff will be off the ballot one way or another. So there's uh, all that you need to know about the Hall of Fame that you don't want to know about the Hall of Fame. Other eras come in to play in the next couple years. Jim Cott's on the Golden Era Committee, Zealand native Jim Cott. He is kind of the Harold Baines of pitching, where he's played a long time, won 283 games, stacked up a lot of stats. He also won 16 consecutive gold gloves as a pitcher. Which is crazy, incredible. Um, So maybe the Baines thing helps him. Uh, Lou Whitaker is going to probably be a finalist the next go uh, in his era. um, You know where we got a lot of those. His uh, after Trammell Morris made it last year. So lots of uh, lots of interesting angles with a lot of. I mean, we got a lot of Chicago and Detroit and Zealand (laughs) things going on here. Uh, Minnie Minoso from the White Sox is still uh, the first true. Black Latino star in the major leagues was not Roberto Clemente. It was Minnie Minoso. He also has a White Sox statue. Somehow he's not in. He was way, in my opinion, he was way better than Baines and was a pioneer. I don't know what has gone on with the voters uh, to not vote that guy in. Um, Tony Oliva, great hitter. The opposite of Harold Baines, he played, won three batting titles, led league in hits five times and then hurt his knee. And so he had like a great short career. He was Cot's teammate in Minnesota. We'll see if he makes it. Uh, at some point too, um, and and cot's White Sox teammate um, Dick Allen was one vote short um, as well with Oliva the last time they had one of the Golden Era ballots. So, th- thanks for suffering through um, or really enjoying. It's probably one or the other. Our Hall of Fame talk um, got to do this once a year. Uh, we'll come back a with a it in January too. Once yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of break down. It. It'll be a lot shorter talk, but we'll break down what happened um, and then kind of look ahead to what's next for that. Um, it's it's interesting when there's a lot of people, for me, most of the people on the eras now and at the tail end of this are people I saw and grew up watching. So it's, it's a little bit different. Plus, there's tons, like I said, of Chicago and uh, Detroit players that have been considered the last couple years with Detroit finally getting some last year, um, which makes it, to me, much more interesting. Um, so let's shift, uh, a hard shift into the high school uh, sports. Chris, I wanted to ask you about... Hamilton's wrestling's 50th anniversary uh you covered that last week there was uh dozens and dozens of former wrestlers that came to celebrate this uh coach greg Stoll and his dad older coach Stoll, uh have been a part of what 49 of the 50 years yep, yep. uh just what
0: was that celebration like well you can tell the community really cared it was really cool to see people come out that are still involved in the community or came back that aren't in are in the community anymore but just the people on the mat, and and a wrestling mat is not that big. I mean, it's a you got two circles in there, and it fills up maybe a quarter of a basketball court. We'll say that half of that uh, that mat was filled with alumni, former wrestlers, and that was so cool to see. I, I've Very never cool. seen that many people on our, on a mat before coming together, enjoying uh, their time at Hamilton, talking about it, uh, just kind of remembering some good moments and i think it's incredible to say that the stole family has been part of that almost for 50 years that's awesome minus one year his dad greg's dad was there for 27 years then there was a one-year gap pretty much where there was one uh, coach for a year and then greg came in and this is his 22nd year that's that's in three of their sons were involved in the program that's awesome and it's it's absolutely incredible to see that kind of commitment from one family to a school to a to a program at a school it's just not normal anymore
1: yeah it's crazy i remember doing a story a few years back where um greg was coaching his oldest son was the assistant coach and his youngest or the next youngest son was wrestling yeah i believe they that were was 2012
0: there. or 2013 yeah they were all like there that. together um very cool it was very cool to see. Yeah, it was it was a good moment. Everyone really enjoyed it, and it, it happened to be where Hamilton won both of their matches. That <laughs> yeah, also helps. It was quite fitting to have two wins on the same night where they were honoring their, their past, and, and former wrestlers could see kind of how the, how it's changed since they've wrestled. Um, I talked with a few of them, and they just gave me some of their memories, and it was really cool to hear about just the dedication that, that the Stoles have and what they were doing and also what they were learning and how wrestling has changed since they, were wrestled, since they wrestled in high school. It's, re, it's really cool. Um, to, to hear those kinds of stories and, and to tell those kinds of stories as well. For sure. All right, now moving on to high school basketball. We've got
1: um, not a ton to talk about. There's just interesting some interesting developments that have happened. Uh, the West Auto girls are 5-0. and o. Um, That is the second uh, Paul Chapman told me yesterday that they're 5-0 and o for the second December in a row. He said they're just going to schedule all their games for December next year, and they'll be all set. <laughs> um, Natalie Dunn has been dominating in all aspects of the game. Um, she has she was already an elite player but she's you know reached an even bigger level this year it'll be fun to see what she ends up being able to do and how far she's able to carry West Ottawa not that she's the only one they have a really good team um but she's the leader um the Holland girls i think are 3 and 3 uh that's a really good start for them um you know there's been some years of just a few years ago where they you know would struggle to win a game all year and they got three wins before christmas so that's uh that's a good good start for them. Uh, the Holland boys are playing much better. Uh, they lost uh one point heartbreaker last night after leading most of the game, which was um, too bad, but some of the growing pains that they're going to be dealing with with a younger younger team.
0: And showing much improvement so far this year yeah. for the boys. That's really nice to they've see They've been that.
1: good. I mean, West Ottawa cleaned them out pretty good, but other than that, they've been in every game. You know, in the fourth quarter, uh win or lose. So um, that's exciting to see. Uh, Nick Kronemeyer has had a f- fast start for Hamilton. Uh, the Hamilton boys, uh, the Hamilton girls, uh, picked up right where they left off, and coach has gotten his 200th win. And um, didn't look like that after the first quarter. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Hudsonville's a good team. That was a interesting one for that to come. Like I, I think that's kind of cooler that it came in a very close game rather than a
0: 20 point blowout or yeah. something. Is better. That I asked Dan about that, and he said, "Yeah, this is a much better way to win your 200th game." And yeah, they. Uh, it shows how good his coaching is too because after the first quarter they didn't look like they're playing defensively strong they were mm-hmm. kind of out of their, their system they weren't playing the way they should be playing and then second quarter starts they just change the defense and next thing you know it's it's just buckets are raining down and they're right. back in the game uh, one kind of slip up in the third quarter start but they led after that I mean it was like calm poise the senior leadership from Bria and Ricky Edgar just showed mm-hmm. um, and that's that's really impressive this early in the season for a team with uh, that has returned a lot from sure. last year but doesn't have a lot of depth and right. expects to be a power uh, come March. Uh, so playing a Division One team as a Division Two team is, is pretty impressive at that win. For sure, um, for sure. And uh, the West
1: Auto boys have uh, impressed
0: me. They lost their whole starters, all their starters yeah. from,
1: their state, uh, from their state finalist team, and they're playing pretty well. I mean, they've had a couple couple losses, but they've been playing really well. They're, I think, maybe four and, four and two. Um, they But with a whole new set of kids and, and a relatively younger or, or inexperienced, at least, group, uh, that that's a good start for them. Um, Corinne Howard is back for Fenville. She's been playing really, really well. Um, not much to talk about with the Holland Christian because their big doubleheader with Grand Rapids Christian was canceled because of whooping cough issues. Um, so we'll talk more about them before, uh, next time. Uh, and the Zeeland East girls, I mean, they, had a, they have had an up-and-down start to the year. They got crushed by West Ottawa in the first game, but then they beat Jenison in double overtime last week. Uh, Jenison's got a girl that's, I think, a sophomore, and she's being recruited. Uh, Nebraska was there watching her that day. She had 30 points against them. Uh, but they won that game in double overtime. Actually should have won it in regulation. Uh, and that's a huge that's a huge step for them because they got Meg Morehouse who's obviously a great player but the rest of their their team is are mostly pretty young uh underclassmen that are just kind of getting their first taste at having the ball in their hands maybe with the game on the line so um that was a good win for them uh too and we'll see uh we'll see how the rest of the teams do the ducks are you know started pretty well uh the boys especially uh that's going to be a fun development to watch it's going to be interesting on the boys side who's going to be the the team, you know, I mean, we got a lot of good teams now. Everybody pretty much, we don't have any bad teams. Um, so the OK Green, especially, is going to be nuts because they're You're all tough. just going to beat up on each other. Um, the girls, the same, but I think they're, you know. Hamilton, I think, is the number one team right now. Yeah, or yep. West Ottawa. I wish they would play each other. Uh, that would be really awesome. To see. That is, it's, it's one of those things we never really know sometimes with West Ottawa and some of the OK Green teams because they don't play everybody. They usually play Holland, they usually play Zealand East. Um, and they played, the girls played Zealand, West, Zealand West too yeah. uh, this year, but they because Zealand West has moved up to A. But, um, yeah, sometimes in a lot of sports too, since they're in the red, we don't, we're not really sure if middle of the pack in the OK red is better than everybody in the green or not. Um, so I wish, I kind of wish they'd play each other this year. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how everything develops. So we got some interesting develops with Hope College basketball too. Uh, the Hope men have lost some. Uh, tough games uh, the last couple weeks uh, games that they seemed like they could have won should have won and uh, that's that's tough going into the break uh, I feel like that the, the last one in particular to Mount St. Joseph in the uh, Great Lakes Invitational uh, is really going to sting for a long time because it's a team that Calvin crushed the night before um, by like 20 some points and uh you know hope struggled to get past Laroche uh with a the, the first night of the tournament with a comeback win at the end and then just couldn't take that momentum you know they just they they played probably their worst game of the year and uh it's really tough these these games there's been two or three of these games like this they've had every time they've had back-to-back tournament games they've lost the second game this year including yeah. and going back to last year's NCAA tournament too um, that's tough. I mean, they're putting themselves in a position where they're gonna have to win the M.A. to get in the NCAA tournament. And that's a tough very difficult. tough task. There's no uh, game through Olivet and Calvin is it no almost reason. even doesn't matter what they do in the regular season in the M.A. anymore. It's it's all gonna come down to if they can be in the top four for that tournament or six, whatever they do now for the tournament, and if they can win it. So their whole Chance could come down to what they do in one week now, rather than what they do all season, which is uh, a bummer. That's the kind of the opposite way that the girls, the women are going. Uh, Now the women got beat by Thomas Moore pretty bad, but Thomas Moore is now ranked number two. They're undefeated. They They got probably the best player in the country. I don't even know how they're not number one, but um, they've bounced back
0: now and won two games in a row on the road in Georgia since. Uh, so that's a long trip. You got to fly down there. You got to get ready, mentally prepared for a team that hasn't. They only had one away game at Olivet, which isn't even that far of a drive, right? Uh, to go down there and win twice is is really nothing short of impressive because this team just got beat badly on their own court by one of the best teams in the country last weekend. So to refocus, bad, regroup, yeah. and get ready for a, a, a road trip like this down to down to Georgia and win both is shows the resiliency of, of this Hope Women team that they're going to have to kind of carry over into the into next week and into the new year because they have a, a tough game next week against Wisconsin-Oshkosh, and then they play Trine at home uh, to start the new year, which is going to be really difficult. For sure, for sure. And we will talk all about that in two weeks when, our, when we do our
1: next podcast. We're going to take the holiday week off um, from podcasting. Uh, You'll be East has a tournament. Yeah, I'll be... He'll be enjoying some. Uh, I'll be enjoying some much warmer climate. Yes, we'll just say indeed. that. Um, but uh, Zealand East has their tournament, and Zealand has their annual swim invitational in between the holidays. And Hope will be playing. But other than that, you know, it's pretty, pretty relaxing time. If you need, so if you need to see some basketball, check out the Hope schedules or Zealand East uh, Zealand East holiday tournament. Um, but otherwise, happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy time with your family and. Uh, Yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks to break down all of the holiday developments, talk college football playoff, college basketball, you name it. And we'll see what's going on with the high school teams, too. All right, so Merry Christmas from us. For Chris, I'm Dan. See ya.